Well, I've been dead all day. Could you tell? Could you tell? This is where I live here, and I save myself. If there's a God in hell, let us pray. Let us pray to be cleansed of everything that we've said. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Geekdom is back this week. And I. Before we get started here, I just want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Vinyl Me Please. You can join their Record of the Month Club at joinvmp.com forward slash geekdompod. That link will be in the show notes and you don't have to worry about memorizing it, but I will tell you all more about the service later on in the episode. But right now, Becky Kovach returns to talk all about Bayside and she is currently the band's publicist. So... There is definitely a professional and personal interest in this episode, but Becky, I know you were a fan of the band long before you ended up working with them, right? Yes. Um, So I've been listening to Bayside since I was like 15, I think, Um, and I am currently 26. So it's been a good chunk of my life that I've been listening to this band, and it's only been the last few years that I've had the opportunity to work with them as well. But they're one of my all-time favorites, so that that's always been something that's been really cool for me to be able to do. Yeah, and they have been a band for you know quite a while here. So their first album, Sirens and Condolences, came out in 2004, and that's their first studio album. And honestly, I got into the band very, very late. Like, I had no clue who Bayside was probably until sometime between Killing Time in 2011 and Cult in 2014, because, well, I don't really know why. It's just (laughs) one of those things where, like, working with Zach on Property of Zach and everything, it just opened up a whole bunch of bands that I hadn't heard of before because I was, you know, still listening to like Green Day and some of the bands that had become way bigger. So I wasn't really knowledgeable about the smaller to mid-sized bands that were sort of in those same genres and everything. So, you know, I had a lot of catching up to do, basically. And as you know, from me texting you and me on Twitter, I was doing that catching up as late as yesterday. So (laughs) it's one of those things where I'll listen to a band like I have vacancy on vinyl. So I definitely like the band and support the band. But it's just one of those things where I never made sure that I went back and listened to their entire discography all the way through. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely bands that I got into later in their careers where I just never went back and I obsessively listened to like the one or two albums. <laughs> right. So I totally get that. Yeah, I think I did that with the Menzingers too, because I was like, wait, they have an album before, you know, this one that I got into. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK, I guess, guess I'll have to listen to that at some po- point. But with Bayside, because they have seven studio albums, if I'm counting yeah. correctly here. It, numbers are very important. <laughs> they have the seven studio albums, plus there's an acoustic album, uh, and they did a covers EP. Yeah. I was actually listening to one of the albums earlier today, and it just kept going and started playing the covers EP. And I was like, oh, I forgot how much I enjoyed this because they do sort of these crazy covers. I believe the first song on it is Be My Baby, which is a song by the Ronettes. Mm -hmm. And it's just like so old timey. And they definitely do not cover it that way at all. So it's definitely a unique take on the song, which I love when bands do that. Yeah, I I love that EP. It's 
like I think it's like five songs long and it's songs that they kind of grew up with like listening to because their parents listened to it yeah so it's like the Ronettes and Billy Joel and it's just all of this like older music that's so good and they they're it's it's older music but with like Bayside flair you can't really go wrong with that it's a great combination yeah definitely and before we dive into some specific albums, I want to briefly talk about their label situation because they've worked with three different labels for their studio releases. Basically, the first four were on Victory. And as some people probably know, Victory has had its ups and downs, very low downs. (laughs) And so then, you know, they had those first four releases with Victory, which, you know, at the time that was good for them. And then with Killing Time, they go to a label called Wind Up, which I have never heard of. I don't even know like what this is or anything, but it looks like they were distributed by Sony and Universal. So it seems mm-hmm. like they sort of had some major label ties. And then with Cult, they went to Hopeless. And that's probably why I heard about them at that point in time, because I was aware of Hopeless and the bands on Hopeless and everything like that, because... This would have been the year I finished at Drexel that Colt came out in 2014. So I was like, you know, okay, you know, where could I work after college and all this stuff? And I'm still figuring it out, but that's besides the point. So I think that's definitely part of the reason I got into the band, too, because I was like, oh, this label I'm familiar with is releasing something from them. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like you said, the first four were Victory and then they tried the the major major label route with Killing Time and it just it wasn't the right fit that album is great and uh i kind of i wish that they could have done more with it but then Colt and Vacancy are both out on Hopeless and Hopeless just has this way of taking these bands that have been around for a while and elevating them to a whole new level yeah definitely and i if i'm remembering correctly there's a good chance that i'm possibly not remembering correctly but I think Colt was sort of received with some mixed reviews because it wasn't quite what we had heard from the band before or, you know, not we necessarily because I had not heard much from the band before, but what fans had heard from the band before. And it seemed to sort of give them this new sense of being a band and almost starting over in a way. Yeah. The thing with Bayside is that each record they've put out, they've kind of honed in even more on this sound that is distinctly them right like no two records they put out sound exactly the same but in some way they're all still Bayside records and they've become more and more Bayside as the years have gone on if that makes sense no I totally get that and personally I really love Vacancy which is their last release and I don't know if Colt caught on quite as much for me but for whatever reason vacancy just caught on and I kept listening to it but I did eventually go back and listen to some other Bayside releases you know I was checking Apple Music and I was like okay what's already in my library and what isn't in my library and ironically (laughs) enough Colt wasn't in my library but it's like almost everything else was and I probably just hadn't gotten around to listening to some of it so you know their self-titled album I think is where they really had a chance to impress people because sophomore records are a difficult thing for pretty much every band and artist ever, it seems. Like, for whatever reason, 
you know, sometimes it's just hard to keep that momentum of the first album going. And if you set the bar too high, then people, you know, want something even better for the second album. So I think, you know, Bayside suffered from that a little bit with this release. With the self-titled? Yeah, I'm seeing like totally mixed reviews on this. Well, I mean, review wise, maybe, but I feel like reviews don't necessarily reflect the way fans feel about albums this is true because like the self-titled has some of their most popular songs on it like you still see devotion and desire oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean it, it's the closing song on every show they play yeah i'm not saying i don't like it i'm just saying <laughs> you know it seems like people did not have it resonate with them as much as they were expecting to be because i do really like the first album too i think their debut was solid and you mentioned to me that the bassist at that time actually wrote a bunch of the songs or all of the songs yeah i'm i'm like 90 percent certain that anthony wasn't writing the lyrics yet at that point that their first bassist was the one who wrote the lyrics on the first album and then after he left was when anthony kind of took over um on the lyrics front and he's done like all of that since yeah, it says here on the Wikipedia page that Anthony did the music, but not the lyrics, which I think, yeah. you know, the lyrics are typically what he's known for these days, too, because mm -hmm. he just puts so much of himself in the music. So, you know, that's definitely interesting, too, because then you have that switch with the self-titled. And like I said, I enjoy the self-titled. And like you said, Devotion and Desire is played at every show. I think I've seen them live at least a couple of times. I've definitely seen them live at least once. So I can confirm that that is, in fact, the closing <laughs> song. <laughs> I think there, I, I've seen them a bunch. And I think there's been like one tour that I saw them play where they didn't play Devotion and Desire last. They played it like in the middle of the set and then closed with Dear Tragedy. And everybody in the room was so confused by that. Like nobody knew what was going on because everybody's so <laughs> yeah. used to like devotion and desire. And then that's the end of their set. Um, but even like also like from the self-titled, they still play, you know, Montauk. They still play Blame It on Bad Luck. Don't Call Me Peanut. Um, so like I said, I, I mean, I know reviews might have been mixed on this one, but it's so different looking at it from like uh, a reviewer's perspective than it is from a fan's perspective. I think that album still holds a lot of weight with their, their fan base. Yeah, I think sometimes I just find it odd because as someone who reviews albums every once in a while, I typically only review things I enjoy. So Same. it's it's one of those things where I'm just sort of picking what albums I want to review and everything. And I don't see what the point in reviewing things you don't like would be. Although I did end up doing recaps for the Miss TV show, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but they sent me the episodes. So I was like, all right, you're sending me this to watch. So I'll write about it. <laughs> yeah, I think there's only been like one or two times in all of the years that I've been writing reviews where I picked an album that I thought I was going to like and I ended up not liking it. Right. Um, and a lot of times if that happens, I'll kind of decide not to do the review. <laughs> but I, I like in those couple of instances, I didn't really have a choice. So of course, I had to, I still to be honest, it's not like I could lie in the review and say that I liked it when I didn't. But I never feel good about writing a bad review. Yeah. And for me with covering TV, it's a little different because typically I've already, you know, said I'm going to cover 
this show on these nights or whatever these shows on these nights so i don't want to bail in the middle of a tv season so it's one of those things where every once in a while i'll get episodes that i'm not the biggest fan of but for the most part i'm reviewing like supergirl and better call saul and fargo so it's like shows i know i'm going to watch anyway right but yeah i honestly would say that bayside has a very very solid discography from their first release to their seventh release i really feel like them and yellow card or are sort of the staples when it comes to this because even though with yellow card you know lift a sale might be towards the bottom of the list for me just because it never clicked for whatever reason it's not a bad album it's just you know personally something has to be at the bottom of my list (laughs) (laughs) this is true they can't all be tied for first i mean like they could if you want them to (laughs) they could i mean yeah i I totally get that but you're, you're right these are two bands that like have just never put out a bad record there's never been that like trip up where fan, even fans were like, oh, this isn't really it. I mean, I know with Shudder, it seems like people weren't as receptive to that one. Okay. But even like now you find fans asking for them to play more of those songs um, at shows and stuff because it, it never really gets any love in their set list. Um, and on like the Walking Wounded tour back in the fall, they ended up doing at the New York show, um, in addition to playing The Walking Wounded in full, they played Shudder in full. So like, even though it's one of those records that maybe wasn't as popular with their fans, there is still that like desire from fans to hear that music. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with live shows, too, is depending on the length, you're not going to be able to fit everything you would necessarily no. want to play. And I believe when I saw them, it was the tour for Vacancy. So it wasn't too terribly long ago. And obviously, when they're promoting a new release, they're going to play more of those songs. Right. So it's one of those things where it depends on when a band tours too. Like if a band is just touring because they're in between records or something and they're not really promoting one or the other, then sure, like go do a greatest hits run kind of thing or play the songs that you enjoy the most. And It'll definitely vary, and that's what's cool about live performances, though. Yeah, and it's so hard when you hit that seventh record to be able to fit everything that you want to in a set list. Well, they they also they love to throw in the odd like cover song in their set too. Like they've played "Walking Out" by Billy Joel um, on like at their live shows, or the I think the it was the Vacancy tour they were playing "Mr. Brightside" by The Killers. Yeah. So when you're doing that, that's one song less that you're playing of your own music. Right. And, you know, the band doesn't necessarily get to dictate how much time they get to spend on stage either, because I know when they played here, they were at the observatory in Santa Ana. And sometimes on Friday nights and Saturday nights, they'll have shows or like raves that start at 11 p.m. So it's like whatever band is playing, they need to be out of there because they're trying to make more money (laughs) and have more people come in. So they want, you know, to clear out the room and everything like that. But before I get too far off this and forget, I do remember the first time I heard Bayside and it was from a compilation that had the acoustic version of Masterpiece, I want to say, on it. And I don't even remember what the compilation was. It was like one of those action for something compilations or 
whatever. Please take action. You know, it might have been that one. There was, there was a bunch of those. And I know Bayside's been on at least a couple of them because they have, I want to say it's called Battle Scars. It's like a, like a, I, it was a, a song that they did specifically for one of those compilations. Yeah, I think the one that I heard it on was one with a bunch of bands just doing acoustic versions of their songs. But I, I don't know. It is sitting on the shelf in the hallway, which I am not going to get up and go to right now because I'd have to <laughs> like leave my room and turn on lights and figure it out. But it was I, I'm trying to find it here. This is what happens when I don't prepare, guys. I'm sorry. You've got me Googling, too, because now I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was one of the take action ones, though, because I'm looking at one now and it's like a bunch of acoustic versions of songs. So it probably was one of those. I just am totally blanking on which one it was. But yes, the Battle Scars one was on Take Action Volume 10. Yeah. But I I just vividly remember knowing Masterpiece before ever listening to the actual album version. So there's that. We will leave it at that because otherwise we'll be Googling all night here. But that song just really stuck with me. And, you know, it's off of that first album. So it's one that Anthony didn't even write the lyrics for himself. But it was just like, wow, okay, I can really get into this band. And I love 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 acoustic stuff oh yeah like i'm pretty sure i just have a playlist of acoustic songs that are like this i am a complete sucker for anything acoustic and i think that's probably why i had a copy of one of those compilations because i was like okay acoustic i'm in i think take action volume nine is the one i have but there's no bayside on that so i'm i'm just lost here i don't know where i heard the song (laughs) But anyway, since we are on the topic of acoustic songs, why don't we go ahead and talk about their acoustic EP slash album if you have the bonus tracks. So Masterpiece is on that. And then they also have an acoustic version of Devotion and Desire, which is is pretty great. It's a great song. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. The um, the acoustic album is, is really good in general. They've got that cover of Smoking Pope's Megan on that which a lot of like younger Bayside fans I feel like don't even realize that it's a cover song because Bayside has kind of like made it their own over the years and it makes its way into a lot of their live shows so people just started assuming that it was their song um and then there's the the track that they wrote specifically for that album Winter uh which they wrote after the passing of their drummer um in that and like they were in like a bus accident and their drummer passed away in the accident um, so that's why they ended up releasing the acoustic album was after that, um, because it was dedicated to him. Yeah. And it sold pretty well too. Yeah. For being an acoustic EP, it says here, you know, by August they had sold 37,000 copies of it. So that, that's pretty good for an EP in general. I don't know if I've ever really heard of EPs selling super well. No. I, I feel like they definitely never do as well as like full-length albums. Yeah, it's either like singles or full-length albums when you're typically talking about sales. And, you know, with some genres, it's like, what's an EP? Why would you do that? Yeah. 
Well, before we dive into some more Bayside here, I just want to take a quick break and let you all know more about Vinyl Me Please. So for you, the listeners of Welcome to Geekdom, Vinyl Me Please is a vinyl record of the month club. It's the best record club. In fact, every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection and sends it to thousands of members worldwide. And if you sign up, what you'll get is... The album, an original 12 by 12 album-inspired art print, and a paired cocktail recipe to sweeten the deal even more. So you can also buy albums that they have already released to on their store and everything. So it's not necessarily gone if you miss out on it or you think you've missed the deadline or anything like that. And you can cancel it anytime, no strings attached. No guilt trips. They'd let you cancel it. There's no contract. There's no fees, nothing like that. So if you want to maybe skip a month because the album isn't up your alley or something like that, you can definitely do that. But it's definitely a great opportunity to check out some new music and get special editions on vinyl because they do their own variants and everything like that for it too. So again, to join the record club, you can go to joinvmp.com forward slash geekdompod. And I just want to thank Vinyl Me Please for sponsoring this episode. But now we are going back to the Bayside conversation with Becky. So, Becky, this isn't my favorite thing to do, but I figured I would ask you, have you ever ranked Bayside albums? Oh, God. I don't think so. I've never like sat down and tried to figure out a ranking for them just because I love each album for different reasons. Okay. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to rank them. <laughs> I was just curious if you had a ranking because sometimes there's certain bands where you just know and it's like, okay, yeah, this one, this one, this one, this one, this is the order I would listen to them in because this is the order I like them in. And, you know, if you have a band like Green Day, it's like, okay, Uno Dos Trey, we're pretending that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I... With Bayside, I, like I said, I love each of these albums for different reasons, and each album is so different, and they're all so good that it's almost impossible for me. Um, the only thing that I could probably say with certainty is that The Walking Wounded is my favorite. Okay. Um, and then beyond that, it's all a, a tie, pretty much. Um, but The Walking Wounded, so that came out in 07, uh, and that was around the time that I started listening to them. Uh, I distinctly remember being in my living room at home one day and I was like flipping through the channels and I ended up on Fuse and they were playing the video for Duality. Uh, and that was the first Bayside song that I ever heard. And that was a pretty big song off of this album too. Yep. that The, the Walking Wounded was their uh, most commercially successful album up until I believe Cult in 2014. Um, and they ended up doing some late night appearances around the Walking Wounded album cycle, um, a whole lot of bigger tours, like bigger than they they had ever done before. And it was the first record that they released with uh, their current lineup that has remained their lineup ever since. Yeah, and they totally went all out on that record too because there's a DVD you can get with it. There, you know, there's the documentary mm -hmm. uh, "Life on the Road" featurette. If you get the gold edition, so you get all of this bonus material that sort of just gives you some insight on how the band tours and you know making the album and everything like that. And it also has a gear walkthrough, which is probably pretty big for all of the guitar heads and tech heads that like 
looking at those things because, you know, for me, I'm always weird like that with certain things. And it's like, I really love seeing what's on people's home screens on their phones and iPads. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just one of those things where you're definitely catering to a specific group of people with some of these features, but it's still a cool thing to have available to them. Yeah, I I love that kind of stuff too. Um, And I think I actually have a copy of the the gold edition of the walking wounded with all of those bonus features and I can remember when I first got it just like sitting down and watching through the documentary and all of the extras it's really cool yeah I have not seen any of those but I should probably see if I can track those down because <laughs> I mean I don't know if you could even find the DVD <laughs> anymore probably I have a copy in my room so if you ever get back to the east coast we can watch it. I will just come to your house and watch it. Yes, that that's Perfect. what we'll do. We'll plan it for whenever I have money. <laughs> Deal. But yeah, I, I do I do have that. And I mean, to be fair, like I said, The Walking Wounded is my favorite album of theirs. And it has my favorite songs on it. And like I've got a Bayside tattoo on my foot. And it's the, the bird logo with lyrics from a song on that album. So clearly this is something that I have hit borderline obsession with. Yeah. And we should talk about too that the band is from Queens. So obviously with where you are now and everything, the band probably still has a pretty big presence when they play shows there, right? Yeah. Uh home hometown shows for them are always insane. Yeah, I can imagine because even you know, out here in California, when I saw them at the observatory, which I would say holds at least a thousand people, it was packed. Yeah. I know their tours always sell super well. Um, obviously, they haven't done any touring since the Falls Walking Wounded 10 Year Anniversary Tour, but they, for that tour, they played uh, Long Island and New York City. And both of those shows sold out really well. Yeah, that's always cool to see that, you know, these bands are still getting that kind of support you know, so many years into their career, especially for a band that's at the level that Bayside is, because, you know, they're not going to ever really be the size of Fall Out Boy or Green Day and be playing arenas unless they open for someone. I could definitely see that happening. But they there are certain bands that just do really well in sort of the club setting where it's like, you know, a thousand to fifteen hundred people. And they can just sell those out and, you know, make a decent living off of doing what they love. Yeah. And I I feel like Bayside is one of those bands where they don't really need to be playing arenas. Yeah. Um, They're they're the kind of band where they need to be more personal and and up close with their fans while they're performing, because that's where all of the energy from the performances comes from. Yeah, definitely. And we've mentioned a couple of the EPs here. Are there any that you specifically want to talk about? I know they have some splits with some bands and everything like that, too. I mean, we touched on the the covers EP, which I really loved. They So after they released Cult, I think it was about a year later, they released uh, Cult White Edition, which had a couple of bonus tracks. One of those bonus tracks is one of my favorite songs that they've ever done. I think it's called uh, Dancing Like an Idiot. Okay, And it was just kind of like a, a call out to all of those bands that kind of have this platform and are not really good examples for their fans and aren't really people that their fans should be looking up to. Um, and that was a, a little bit controversial because I know like early lyrics from Bayside uh, 
some of them tended to be a little bit misogynistic and it's something that they've addressed um, as just like things that they've grown and, and learned from. Uh, but it was still interesting to see the kind of uh, response to that that song and, and what their stance was on some of these younger bands. Yeah, one of the things I want to note here, too, is that they've been really consistent with all seven of their albums. And even though they really stick to what they know, you know, the sound has slightly changed here and there, but it's really the songwriting that has matured and made these albums different experiences every time instead of sounding like the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And and like I said, I feel like with each record, they've kind of found themselves a little bit more. Yeah. So that by the time you get to vacancy, you're really getting a feel for who they are as songwriters and also as people. And you can definitely tell that they have grown with the music, too. You know, they aren't trying to still be these guys in their 20s and just living it up on tour and everything like that. It's like, you know... Some, if not most of them, have settled down and, you know, they're married and whatnot and or they've been married and divorced. So they've definitely had life happen to them along the way. And that gives them all of these new experiences to write about. Yeah, two of them are dads now. You know, that's something that always seems so weird. It's like you start listening to these bands and then you're like, oh, wait, they're normal people like the rest of us. Yeah. And, you know, having a kid is definitely one of those things that changes your perspective on things. And I feel like it's become really obvious how much they've grown by the time you get to vacancy, because a lot of those earlier albums are like outwardly angry. And by the time you listen through and you get to vacancy, you see them kind of turning more. And it's a lot Anthony because he's the one writing the lyrics, but it's it's turning more in towards himself and kind of reflecting on who he is and what he wants to be. Yeah, you can definitely tell that Vacancy is a very introspective album because he's really just putting everything he has into these songs. And, you know, it's just so good. I really love Vacancy. I don't know if I would it's put it at so the good. top of the list just because I probably haven't listened to everything else nearly as much. But I guess just because of when I got into the band, you know, Colt probably didn't click with me quite as much as I was hoping it would because I had just heard about the band and I was like okay maybe I'll go listen to the other stuff instead of listening to cult over and over and over again so I definitely have a lot of revisiting to do because you have listened to this band way more than I have (laughs) um I feel like I've probably listened to this band way more than most people have that's fair but I will say that with cult it probably has my favorite album closer of all time, or like uh, at least of theirs, my favorite album closer with The Whitest Lie. Okay. I just, I love the way it kind of builds until it's not really, it's like the harmonies at the end, like the gang vocals at the end of that track are so, so powerful in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't know how much you know about this, but Gumshoe Radio is something that Anthony and Nick have been working on, and it's a weekly radio show. Is this something that is still going on? Do you know? I don't think they've done it. I I think it's been a few years since the last time they really did that. It was kind of in between Killing Time and Cult, like in that in-between period before they signed with Hopeless. Um, they did that and then that was when they released the covers EP on their own. Um, 
they all I mean one of the cool things about Bayside is that they all like they're it's not just about being in a band for them like they all have other interests and and things going on um beyond just being in Bayside and they explore their other passions so like Nick and Chris have a coffee company called um Legal Speed and prior to that Nick had a or I think he still has a clothing line called Born and Bred um so they've all kind of branched out beyond music and do other things beyond that which is really cool Right. And then Anthony has his solo project, too, that he works on from time to time, which is yes. also very good because, you know, he's the voice of Bayside. So I don't want to say it sounds exactly like Bayside songs, but because his voice is so distinct, it's like, OK, I know what I'm getting into with this. Yeah, he does have one of those voices where you hear it and you automatically know who it is you're listening to, which is really cool. And another thing that really makes Bayside stand out. But what I love about his solo stuff is that he does, it's like, it's music that he, when he's writing it, it doesn't necessarily fit in with the Bayside identity. Right. So like on the first EP that he released, um, there was some stuff that had more of like a country edge to it. And it's, he definitely explores other genres within his solo stuff, which is really cool to see. Yeah. And I think that is something that helps some artists just sort of continue their creative streak because you know with Bayside they have this formula that works for them and they know what kind of songs work for the band and it's largely the songwriting that has changed over the years and you know the sound here and there I know they'll put like a piano ballad on a album every once in a while and it definitely still works but it's one of those things where they know what works for the band and then Anthony sort of gets to play around with everything else on his own time yeah well is there anything else you want to hit on specifically that we haven't gotten to just yet I mean I feel like we we kind of touched on everything the only album that we maybe didn't talk about a whole lot is Killing Time that is one I just recently listened to so (laughs) you know do not kill me for that but I really enjoyed it. So there is that at least. <laughs> it is a really great record. And it. I think the most disappointing thing about that was that it was their kind of attempt at doing like the major label or like a bigger label thing. And it didn't quite pan out the way it should have. I don't know why exactly that was, but like that album has some of my favorite Bayside songs on it. Like you can't go wrong with 666. Yeah. When I was listening to it, I was like, wow, how have I not done this before and obviously some of the songs were familiar from seeing them live and I feel like with certain songs of theirs it's pretty easy to get a hang of the lyrics pretty quickly and it's just one of those things where that album it just hit and I was like okay yes please more of this (laughs) yeah I also just I really really love the title track on that one yeah it's really good and it's the closer too right yeah it's the closer and then I don't know if this is me just like reading into things and wanting there to be connections, but I always kind of drew this connection between Killing Time, the song, and then uh, Time Has Come on Cult. Just like seeing that transition from Killing Time where he's kind of wondering, you know, is he letting his life pass him by? Like, the whole idea, like, can a person make a difference if he never makes a sound? And then with time has come, it's, um, I'm short on time, so here's my intention, raise my voice and get your attention. 
Um, so I just, it's that transition from like being stagnant to kind of making moves and, and actually stepping up and doing something about your life and taking charge. Yeah, definitely. So I know at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that you are now doing publicity for them. So before we go here, I just want to ask you what that's been like for you as such a huge fan of the band. It's It's been surreal. Um, it's one of those things that like Bayside is a band that made me want to work in music in the first place because of the role that they've played in my life and the fact that their music has kind of gotten me through a lot of things that I maybe would have struggled with if I didn't have something like that to lean on. Um, the first time that I really got to work with them was when Colt White Edition came out and they did the 15th anniversary tour. Um, I was still a junior publicist at that point, so I was still kind of getting my feet wet and learning the ropes. And then uh, in the fall when they did the Walking Wounded 10-year anniversary tour, I got to spearhead that and kind of take charge and make it my own. And like I said, that's my favorite record of theirs. And it's the one that got me into them in the first place and why I started listening to them. So that was just a very special thing for me to be able to do that and to be able to set things up around an album that has meant so much to me. Um, and it also, I'm not going to lie, it was really cool when they came to New York. We got to do like a press day and I got to go to Rolling Stone with the band and then we went to the Marvel offices and got to do a tour of that. And I just kind of got to spend the day getting to know them all a little bit better. What you really did was you got to spend the day making me jealous because you went to the Marvel offices <laughs> and I did not. <laughs> I I got to spend the day hanging out with one of my favorite bands of all time and I got to hold Thor's hammer in the process. And we will not attempt to pronounce its name because Mjolnir? I will surely butcher it. I had it that it was a whole day of like what is my life moment <laughs> like being in in the Marvel offices and having Jack O'Shea say hey do you want a picture with Thor's hammer and then take making me take the picture because he knew how much I wanted to it was just it was really cool and it, it's something that I still kind of am not over at this point um like getting to write up the press release for the upcoming tour with Newfound Glory and Ryan Key of Yellow Card is still something that I, I'm like, did that really happen? Um, I, I could talk about it literally forever. <laughs> yeah, but it's awesome to get to have days like that too, where you just get to work with bands and people that you really enjoy spending time with because you've enjoyed their music for so long too. And, you know, I'll forgive you for the Marvel trip without me. You know, <laughs> we're good. We're good. I did help them with their podcast once. So, you know, that almost counts. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the coolest things is definitely um, around the tour in the fall getting to, so uh, I end up, I connect a lot of phone interviews as part of my job. Right. So getting to connect phone interviews for Anthony where he was talking about the walking wounded and getting to hear some of those stories that maybe, you know, have never really been talked about before or have hearing him talk about that time period in the band's career. That was really cool just to kind of get that behind the scenes look and to, to hear him telling those stories was something that I will always really appreciate having the opportunity to do. Well, if the band ever wants to talk about Marvel things and not music things, I am right here waiting, you know, no <laughs> pressure. Don't worry. No, but seriously, like your bands are always welcome to talk about anything with me. It's awesome that you get to work with this band, though. And, you know, I'm sure 
they have something going on here because, you know, vacancy was in 2016, but I know you can't talk about anything until it's announced. So I will not bother you about that. But hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we will get something soon from them. That is all I will say about it. I don't know anything. So I can't, you know, say if I am actually telling the truth or not. To be fair, I don't know anything either. So. Perfect. Perfect. So we are both hoping we know soon. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Bayside, Becky. This has definitely been fun. And I you make me feel like I definitely need to go listen to the band more on repeat all day, Please possibly do. tomorrow. Please. <laughs> I will listen to them. I do listen to them. So, you know, it's not that's not the problem. It's just I'm really bad at listening to things lately because I just listen to podcasts instead <laughs> or edit them because I can't I don't know how to speak sometimes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. And thank you again to Vinyl Me Please for sponsoring this episode. But Becky, you, you will definitely be back on. You are always back on the podcast at some point. Absolutely. And to our listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at Geekdom Pod. We are now also on Instagram at Welcome to Geekdom. And we are on Facebook. It's just Welcome to Geekdom too, I believe. But I will have links in the show notes for all of that. So you guys don't have to remember anything that I'm saying right now. And as always, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.